anybody in their right mind delivers a baby and takes it home. They don't leave the baby at the hospital. They don't go and set it on the side of the road and say, God bless you, have a good life. Right? In their right mind. <laughs> Sometimes people do those things because they're not in their right mind. But it's the same with the church. We, we don't want to just reach people and tell them, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, and then that's all we give them. Now fend for yourself. Have a nice life. I'll pray for you. God bless you. There's more to it. There is care that we must give one another. We need to care for one another. We need to encourage one another. And that's why part of the vision of this church is something called life groups. Because we need to be getting together besides just our corporate worship. It's great when we come together, we worship together, we praise the Lord together, and we even have a little more than most churches. We have a meal afterwards where we get to eat together. And that's great because who doesn't like to eat? But we need to be connecting on a personal level as a church. But one person can't connect with everyone, right? That's impossible. So life groups, what we're going to talk about today, Brother Maurice is going to come and share for a few minutes and then I'm going to just wrap up after him. But the vision of life groups is not just another activity on the calendar to say, the church does something on this day. We don't ever plan things just to have, oh, we don't have enough stuff going on. People aren't busy enough, so let's put something on the calendar. We try to pray about things that are going to help the church. And this is something that if we commit to, really helps us. It's beneficial for everyone involved. So... We're going to talk about life groups today and just understand that's the vision is for us to be really, truly caring for one another because no one deserves to go without true care in this life. No one should have their life go uncelebrated. You should be celebrated. You should be encouraged. You should be cared for. And that's why we do life groups so that we will truly care for one another. Amen? Because it takes, it takes care. Amen? So uh, without saying any more about it right now, I'm going to hand it over to Brother Maurice, who has a, little, put a lot of time and effort and energy into our life groups and helped me uh, with the vision for it. So Brother Maurice, come and, and share with us to your heart a little bit today about life groups. Amen. <laughs> Keyword try. <laughs> Not to take too much of your time. But um, life groups is very important to me. Um, it's basically what saved my life aside from God. So I'm actually really passionate about it. I, I see the vision, I see the importance of being plugged in. Being plugged in. 
Let me pray before we get started. Father God, we just come before you, Lord Jesus, thanking you, Father God, for your blessings, Lord Jesus. Thanking you, Father God, for your provision upon our life, Lord God. Father God, I ask, Father God, that my words would be your words, Lord Jesus. Father God, that you would control my mouth, Lord God, that you would say, Father God, through me, Lord God, what needs to be said, Lord God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So life happens. Life happens. We deal with stress. We deal with anxiety. We deal with the issues of life. We deal with finances. We deal with the uncertainty of the things in this world. Why not have a place where you could just connect with like-minded people, believers that believe the same thing that you do? I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to wipe the world off of me. I have to wipe it off of me because it's just stressful out there. We have many demands. We have many demands that are placed upon us day by day by day. And those things can be overwhelming. Sure, we all love Pastor our senior pastor. But he's only one man. He's one man. And one man can't do it all. That's the importance and the vision behind Life Group. Now you might have heard if you've been in the UPCI for any short amount of time or length of time, they also call them uh, church preaching points. But I believe that life group sounds a little better. <laughs> but I, I don't know about you, but I don't really want somebody preaching at me all the time. <laughs> if you were at work and you had a coworker that was stressed out and you said, hey, I go to a preaching point. Every Thursday, they might uh, they might give you the stink eye, right? Just a little bit. So life groups, I, I like that because, like I said, life happens. But for me, when life happens, I don't want another Bible study group. I want something. Real. Real. Because as we share life with one another, real life happens, right? We all face circumstances. We all face struggles. And we all need a safe place that we can go to share those things. One of the rules in our life group is What's spoken in the life group stays in the life group. 
and only if need be it's shared with members of leadership, pastoral leadership. But that's how safe our life groups are. And I don't know about anyone else, but I take that very seriously. That's a strong calling. That's something that you don't take lightly. It's interesting because I was having a men's Bible study, and I've been having it kind of on and off, on and off, and the Lord's been convicting me. And some time ago, I was thinking about, you know, men have a hard time being real. We have a hard time being real. And the Lord just kind of brought that to my attention. Real. What, what does real stand for? Well, the R in real stands for relationship. Relationship. In Genesis 2.18, God shows us how important relationship is. And it says, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should not be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. A help meet. Now, most of us, when we look at that scripture, I've did it before, I've said help mate. No. Help meet. So as we're in relationship with one another, we are to help one another meet the need. Most important key of a life group is to meet the needs of other believers. Uh, Surprisingly enough, this talk comes on the heels of our life group topic Thursday, which was, am I my brother's keeper? Yes or no? (laughs) Now, I've said that before, and I've used it before, and in many cases I've said no. Because people say, hey, do you know where such and such is? No, am I my brother's keeper? I don't keep tabs on them. I don't know where they are, right? (laughs) But when it comes to spiritually, yes, we are. We are to help bear the infirmities of the weak, the Bible says. It says that the strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak. So yes, we are our brother, ancestor, keeper. Right? Amen. Second Peter. Second Peter. One, five, and six. Second Peter. One. Five and six. And it says, And besides this, 
giving all diligence to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, or love. So these are the aspects that God requires out of us when we're in relationship with our brothers and sisters and other believers in the body of Christ. He requires these things of us, right? He requires them. The second letter in real is E. E. E stands for edification. Edification. That's just a fancy word for lifting your brother or sister up, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't even want to have life group. Honestly, it's Thursday. It's near the end of the week. <laughs> you can tell who's in my life group, right? <laughs> I don't want to have life group. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. I'm beat down. I I don't want to have life group. And I don't have to go anywhere. I'll have to just pick up the phone and say, sorry, Brenda, we're not having life group. <laughs> no. But they are that important to me. Because just as much as they need me, I need them. I need them. I need to be edified. I need to be edified. I need it to be lifted up. And most of the times when I'm thinking I don't want to have life group, and we begin to share, and we all begin to have the same circumstance, right? The same thing. The devil's attacking us. Same situation. We lost control. We lost our attitude. We, all these things happen right before our life group. We get caught in traffic. We, you know, all these things prevent us from getting to our destination. But the body of Christ, when it comes together and it edifies, when it edifies, Nothing can hold us back. Nothing can hold us back. One of my favorite scriptures in, in, in the word is Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may key word may administer grace unto the hearers you know what sometimes I have to just shut my mouth 
we, we actually have a joke in our house. You know, anytime one of us starts to say something or even starts to think it, first thing that I, I say is, shut up, Maurice. Shut up, Maurice. My mother does it too. Shut up, Bonnie. Shut up. Shut up, Norma. We all, we all do it. We, we, we have to catch ourselves, right? Because if it's not edifying, then we don't need to say it. Why? Why? Because the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, most people misinterpret that as, oh, if you like it, then you reap the fruit. No, what that means is if you reap bad fruit, you put out bad fruit, then you're going to reap bad fruit, right? So, they that love the gossip will reap gossip towards themselves, right? <laughs> so, you shall eat the fruit of what you sow. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 5 and 11. First Thessalonians 5 and 11. 5 and 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. As ye do, right? So that means we love to edify ourselves, right? <laughs> So we need to edify others as much as we like to edify ourselves, right? We're getting dressed for work. And, you know, if you're a man, got the nice waves in your head. Or you just try it out that new moose and it just holds it just right in place, right? It's awesome, right? So let's not, how about edify our brothers and sisters? That's a nice tie you got on there, brother. Right? Let's not always be about self. Let's not always be about self. Galatians 5.22, another one of my favorites, with a word that uh, I don't like so much. Galatians 5.22, and this is really, really just reiterating 2 Peter 1, 5, and 6, right? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. I'm going to skip over that other one. No, just kidding. Long-suffering, right? <laughs> I always wondered what that uh, word meant. And then God gave me the revelation. He said, just switch the words around. Because we always think long-suffering has an end. But if you reverse the words, it's what? Suffering long, right? <laughs> it means there is no end. You suffer until God releases you from it, right? In Sunday school, I taught on push, push, pray until something happens, right? 
pray until something happens. That's what long-suffering is. But these are the things that come as we begin to submit ourselves to our local life group because you mature there. You may not have the Holy Spirit when you first come, but as you begin to grow in Christ, he gives you revelation of his word. He gives you discernment. You begin to mature, and it's a small group of people that you begin to gather and form relationships with, right? Before you know it, you're excited about coming to life group. Now, I came from a somewhat large church in Vancouver where there were plants all over the city, all over Washington. And the whole aspect was to keep it small. As soon as it got too big, it's time to release someone to plant another one. Because, once again, we want to be able to edify. We want to be able to meet the need. Right. The next word, or excuse me, the next letter in real is A. Accountability. Oh, that's one I don't like so much. <laughs> Nobody likes accountability, let's be honest. <laughs> we like to kind of just be handed over to our own devices and kind of hope that we can sweep swim out of the deep end, right? <laughs> Until that thing gets too big for us. It gets too big for us, and then we, we want God to throw us a spiritual life jacket, right? But if we were accountable to begin with, some of those things wouldn't have overwhelmed us, right? I'm reminded of the story of David and Bathsheba. Reminded of the state, the story of David and Bathsheba. You know, David, he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. He should have been out to war with his men. But instead, he was over there checking out a dime piece. Right? <laughs> now, if you're married, your wife better be your dime piece. <laughs> your wife better be your dime piece. <laughs> <laughs> so he was checking her out and y'all know the story things happened and but there had to be some accountability for David right there had to be some accountability who was that accountability for David Nathan Nathan was like bruh you done messed up now. God is mad at you. And guess what? Your baby's not going to live. Sorry, bruh. Holler at me next time, player. Right? <laughs> Holler at me. But David had to accept, right? He had to accept the choice that he made. But also David had to accept when he was wrong. He accepted responsibility. 
Somebody called him out on it, but eventually he, was, he accepted responsibility. But what did Nathan say? Don't worry, though. It's not over for you. God is faithful. He's going to give you a son. All right? So he was still able to bless David. God was still able to bless David because he understood that there was a strength and accountability in holding him. And David was not perfect, but yet the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because David understood something. He understood that he could always go back to God and ask for forgiveness, repent, and God would restore him, right? The last letter in real is love. (laughs) Love. Now, there's different types of love, right? There's that fruit-fruit kind of love where you like, you know, people say how you doing, but they really don't want to hear it. You know, and your natural response is, oh, I'm good, but really you're hurting inside, right? You know, you got some things going on and you know, everybody's asking you how you're doing, but nobody's really wanting to listen. Guess what? That's what life group's for. (laughs) that's where your brothers and sisters will sit and listen. They'll hear you. They'll hear you. And they won't give you anything that is not in the word of God. At least they're not supposed to. (laughs) They don't tell you what a, a friend that loves you will tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear I don't know but there's times when I ran to this man with who shot Paul and John (laughs) thinking he was going to take my side and he was like well brother Maurice the word says I don't want the word right now I want you to take my side Brother Maurice, the word, click, click. <laughs> Pastor, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> call me back. <laughs> but he's always given me the word, right? He's always told me what I needed to hear and not what I wanted to hear. And sometimes the only thing that's hurting is what? suffering, right? Now, just as a side note, I don't know how many of you know how many scriptures are in the Bible that speaks on love. Can anybody throw a number out there? Anybody want to take a gander? How how many scriptures in the Bible speak on love? 50? No, more than that. Close. 310. 
That's almost a scripture a day. So <laughs> that shows you how important love was to God, right? 310 scriptures in the Bible speak about love. 131 in the Old Testament, 179 in the New Testament. You ask me, that's quite a bit of scripture. And then just in case God thought you missed it, there's 1 Corinthians 13. The whole scripture <laughs> is on love. <laughs> The whole scripture, right? I don't know about you, but love does not let anyone fall through the cracks. And to prove it, I need a couple of, couple of volunteers, some strong men, three, three strong men, three strong men. <laughs> okay, Ryan, Pastor, Popple, <laughs> three strong men. <laughs> and I want y'all to just stand ample part, apart from each other. Don't hurt Popple. I'm not going to hurt Popple. He's probably stronger than me, right? So I'm stressed out, right? And I got things going on. I'm stressed out. <laughs> I got things going on. <laughs> but you see what happened. I didn't have to tell them to close up the gap. I didn't have to tell them what to do. They automatically did it. Why? Why? Because they loved me, right? They loved me enough to not let me fall through the crack. That is the essence of the life group. No one falls through the crack. Amen? Amen. I'm just going to close up those thoughts real quick. I'm not going to preach a whole sermon. just want to share a couple of scriptures and, and close. Uh, Ephesians 4, back to that chapter, verse number 2. Ephesians 4 and 2 says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that word endeavoring means it's an ongoing effort. Sometimes we get uncomfortable talking about commitment to relationships because our world is so bad at them. I don't know if you looked around, but not too many people are real good with relationships. 
if we're being graded, a lot of us would not be getting a very good grade. Because what's happening in our society is we're growing up in homes where relationships are bad, so we have no model. So we get older and we swear we won't repeat it. And somehow we end up saying, how did I turn out just like my mom or my dad or whatever? I swore I would never be this way. Because if we don't let Jesus replace our example, we're never going to figure it out. We have to look to Jesus to teach us to be good at relationships. We're not going to find the answer anywhere else. Jesus will help us. So if today it's a little uncomfortable to talk about because you don't feel very good at it, first of all, welcome to the club. Second of all, God will help you if you will let him. So the grace and the mercy that's required to make relationships as the Lord commands us to have relationships comes from him as we surrender to him and allow his spirit to grow in us. And we'll close with a couple scriptures from Ephesians 4 again. Maurice already read verse 29. Jump down to verse 31. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So all the, get rid of all the junk. And instead, verse 32 says, Be ye kind one to another tender hearted again we can't we can't transform a hard heart only Jesus Christ can you can't transform your own and you can't transform someone else's so don't try let Jesus do it forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you So the ability to forgive one another, again, comes from Him. Now, if someone just accidentally bumps into you, that's pretty easy to forgive. But if someone really does something to make you mad and make you hurt, that's a little harder. And sometimes it takes the supernatural grace of God to be able to forgive. But that's what life groups, it's all about relationship. Because when you read the book of Acts, they didn't just meet once a week, say hi, bye, God bless you. They lived life together. Because we need each other. We're not going to make it as isolationists. In real relationships, again, they take work. They take time. They take patience. They take forgiveness because guess what? I'm going to offend you at some point. And you just might, I know you're pretty much perfect, but you just might offend me. And we have to learn to forgive each other. Because as I was thinking about this and praying about this, I just, it keeps coming back to mind lately that we're getting so fixated with virtual relationships we can't have real relationships how many times have you gone to a restaurant and you've looked at another table and everybody at the table is on their phone nobody's talking to each other 
they're talking to somebody on the phone with their thumbs. They're not even using their mouth to talk. They're thumbs. And virtual relationships are so much easier. I have who knows how many friends on Facebook. That's awesome. I'm, and if I don't like them, I just block them. Right? Just block them. So easy. So convenient. But real relationships, you can't just block people. You can't just at church, I unfriend you. Sorry. You're done. You have to be committed to each other. But we take that... I know it sounds so ridiculous, but we take that mentality and we apply it to real-life relationships. Just think about things in the long run. Because, you know, I talk about, as men, a lot of men nowadays, there's two things, video games. Okay, just ladies, I don't know, doesn't seem to be as much of a temptation. But men have this virtual conquering mentality. They take video games and they conquer the world instead of doing something in real life. And people do that with relationships instead of real life. Are you going to sit there with your laptop, your arm around your laptop on the porch when you're retired and watch a hologram of some virtual grandchildren run around the front yard? You like those grandkids, honey? They're so cute. I'm so glad we've been together all these years. It's fake. It's not real. There's a certain measure of friendship we can have online. I get it. It's, it's not absolutely worthless. I'm not saying that. But compared to real life, it's not nearly as good. So we need to take some time to develop real relationships, is my point. I just feel like we're so distracted, we can't hardly pay attention for a few minutes in church. I'm just being honest today. If we're not up here rip-snorting, tearing around, it's hard to compete with entertainment. And that's part of the problem of our relationships. We can't just sit down and look at each other and talk without getting distracted. We don't have time to listen to each other because we're thinking about something else. Well, it's true anyways. All right, let's stand. Where the Lord is wanting to take us as a church is past a superficial mentality. He wants us to behave like a family.